0: Uh, the sermon uh, series uh, today on Easter. Our scripture is John 11 verses 1 through 44. It is a longer passage than usual. Uh, David is very committed to a shorter sermon so if he of course gave us a much longer uh, sermon uh, verse passage to read. So um, so let's enjoy but it is a really beautiful story and we'll enjoy it together. Uh, the book of John chapter 11 verses 1 through 44. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by, the time there, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been in there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go.
1: Thank you, Cindy. Yes, a little bit longer text today, but who said anything about a shorter sermon? Uh, No, I am committing to that, guys. Don't worry. Everybody's like, wait, hold on. (laughs) That wasn't a joke, was it? Uh, Happy Easter. Hey, he is risen. This is the day we celebrate the day of all days. Uh, It's the Super Bowl Sunday of church services. Uh, We are so glad you're here. If if this is your first time coming to church, or maybe it's been a long time since you've been to church, uh, we are especially glad that you're here. Uh, We say every week, as Cindy just mentioned, that Current is a community following Jesus Jesus together, and you're welcome wherever you are on your spiritual journey. So we hope that today would not only be a great experience for you, but it would also feel like a place where you can belong. We would hope that you you might grow our, our a rapidly growing uh, church family. We'd love, to, we'd love to include you in things and, and uh, roll up our sleeves together as we serve, serve the community together. Um, today's sermon is about Easter. Uh, I wonder if some of you, as that story was read, was like, hey, what's the deal? Uh, that's not Jesus coming out of the tomb. Who's this Lazarus guy? Like, why are we focusing on that? Uh, it is about Easter. Uh, and As we'll see, this story is actually not so much about Lazarus as it is actually about Jesus. And it's actually a foreshadowing of his death and his resurrection. And why I'm excited to look at this text with you today is one, I really love the story. It's a beautiful story. But more importantly, here we have what Easter is all about. Here we have, in fact, what the Bible is all about. Uh, so let me pray and then, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Uh, Father, thank you for this beautiful day, this beautiful day in terms of weather and the place we get to live. We don't take it for granted. Thank you for it. Uh, But Lord, thank you for this day of all days that we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross and Your raising him again to life on the third day that we might have life in him as well. And thank you that this is not something we just celebrate on this day, but it's a day we we get to celebrate it uh, every day, even for eternity. Um, Nevertheless, on this holiday, we stop and we say especially, thank you, Father. Uh, Thank you for sending your son to die for us. And Father, I would just ask that you would give us each your spirit uh, give me your spirit as I seek to teach your word. May they be your words, not mine. And I pray that you give us each your spirit as we as we long to be touched by you today. I pray this almost especially for those who, who may be here today and not have a personal relationship with you, that you would speak to them today, that you would move in their spirit. Um, but Father, we commit this time to you, and we pray not only for ourselves, but all the gospel-believing churches in the area Uh, thank you for all that you're doing and that you allow us to be a part of. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this story is about Easter. It's really about the entirety of the Bible and how I want to kind of launch into it, get ourselves into the text, is really by asking two questions, two questions that I wonder if you were asking as the story was read. So the first uh, question is, what's up with the delay? Did you catch that? Uh, Jesus uh, finds out that his good buddy, Lazarus, the one he's loved, we're told, is deathly sick. And it says in verse six, uh, when he had heard this, he stayed where he was for two more days. Uh, What's that all about? I mean, could you imagine if somebody in the church, heaven forbid, uh, was deathly sick in the hospital receiving critical care treatment, and I went to the staff and I said, you know what, guys? The doctors are saying this is all gonna be figured out in the next day or two, but let's just ride this thing out. Let's just not, let's not go visit. There's no need for, I mean, can you imagine that? Jesus is staying where he is for two more days after he's told about his dear friend uh, having the trouble that he's, that he's in. Uh, why? Uh, thankfully, we don't have to speculate too much or, or even guess. Jesus tells us the reason. In verse four, he says this, this sickness will not end in death, no, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, there's much we could say uh, here, and I don't have the time to, to get into it uh, uh, too in depth, um, but for the sake of pushing, uh, pushing forward, uh, let me just say this. What we see in Jesus' statement here this, is this profound thought that the Bible also talks about elsewhere, and that is in him, in Jesus, there is no meaningless suffering. In Jesus' No suffering is meaningless. Uh, I was recently reading a book on suffering, uh, and it's, it, it's very, it's a, it's very philo- philosophical in its nature in terms of how it's come together and how it's written. It is written by a Christian author, but, but it, it's really interesting in that one of the key points that he's making and just kind of unpacking and trying to help the readers understand is how of all life philosophies, you know, religious or otherwise, of all life philosophies, it's actually our 21st century Western culture that is the least equipped to handle suffering. Um, listen to how, listen to how uh, this author writes this. In the secular view, the material world is all there is. And so the meaning of life is to have the freedom to choose the life that makes you most happy. However, in that view of things, suffering can have no meaningful part. It is a complete interruption of your life story. It cannot be a meaningful part of the story. In this approach to life, suffering should be avoided at almost any cost or minimized to the greatest degree possible. This means that when facing unavoidable and irreducible suffering, secular people must smuggle in resources from other views of life. Cindy and I experienced this very intimately when uh, her father uh, passed away uh, early uh, uh, from unexpected uh, uh, cancer in his life. Uh, that's a, a big part of our story. But towards the end of his life, uh, there was caretakers there, and you could tell that they were just trained to give care in the midst of, you know, the, the certainty of death. And what was interesting, I mean, you know, I'm a pastor, and we're, we're dealing with that the way that we're dealing with it, and we're talking to him, and and all of that, but it's interesting in terms of what they brought to the table, in terms of uh, drawing from other life philosophies in order to kind of make sense and, and work with, with the death itself. Uh, but in Jesus, the promise is here, no suffering is meaningless. Uh, one of the biggest promises in the Bible, and large in its scope, is Romans 8.28. Uh, it says this, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, in all things, which means, of course, including suffering, including pain, including death itself, God works for the good of those who love him. How could that be? How could that be in not just a, hey, you know, slap a smile on your face, Christian, sort of way? How can that be in not a, you know, pie in the sky, by and by sort of way? How can that be? Could it be? Well, it can be because of Easter, which we'll see as we move forward. Uh, the second question I, asked, uh, I was asking of the text, I wonder if you asked as well, is what's up with the weeping? Did you see that? Jesus wept. Uh, back when I was a little guy, about seven or eight years old, my parents took me to a church where they did this uh, Bible memorization thing where if we memorize a uh, scripture, a Bible verse, we could cash in and earn a little micro machine uh, 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 car. Like you know those little, little guys—they're like Hot Wheels, but they're like a third the size. To my little eight-year-old self, that was wonderful. I loved it. So if it was a ploy to get me to memorize Bible verses, I was all for that. Uh, earned me a number of micro machine cars, and uh, and actually, I don't have the micro machine cars anymore, but I still have the verses, and I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Um, but the rule for this whole thing was, you can pick any verse, any verse at all, and just start memorizing, bring them to the, your teacher, and you know they give you a micro machine car. Want to guess which verse I chose as my very first one for memorizing? John 11, verse 35, wait for it, Jesus wept. And I took my micro-machine car. (laughs) It actually took me more time memorizing the reference. John 11, 35. I had the Jesus wept part down. Anyways, it is the shortest verse in the Bible. It really is. And also easily one of the most powerful. But let me ask again. Why did Jesus weep? Because if you were following the narrative, this whole time, Jesus is setting this thing up to to say, and I'm getting ready to raise Lazarus from the dead. Right? Like before he showed up, a couple days before, he's saying to his disciples, don't worry, I'm gonna raise him to life. And then with Mary and Martha, moments before he does the act, he said, don't worry, I'm gonna raise him to life. He's setting this whole thing up saying, I'm getting ready to raise him to life. I'm getting ready to raise him to life. And yet after setting that whole thing up, he weeps. Have you ever seen a grown man cry, let alone weep? Jesus wept. Why? Because death sucks. Because death is a terrible, terrible thing that was never meant to be. Uh, death is, was never how things were supposed to be. Death is an intrusion. Um... There's this book uh, written by a scholar uh, na- uh, called uh, The Vandalism of Shalom. The Vandalism of Shalom, which really captures the whole meaning, the uh, thought behind the book and uh, its titles. Um, shalom is this real ancient Hebrew word that we, we don't really have a uh, good translation for in English, um, which we, we generally translate peace or we translate shalom to mean harmony. Um, but what sh- shalom really gets at is, is more of a holistic, all of life interwovenness with God. It's an interwovenness with God. Shalom, the way things are meant to be, peace, harmony, purity, all those sorts of things. And the point of the book, of course, and a big uh, theme in the Bible, is that Shalom has been vandalized. By the way, we have done it. Uh, you know, if you think about the vandalism of Shalom, you know, the kind of this concept, what, what are we talking about um, Allow me to draw from my life. So let's, let's remove God from the equation for a second. Shalom with him. I mean, just think about Shalom in our daily lives, in our relationships, for instance, with those closest to us. I mean, the more I live life, the more I learn and know more and more deeply how much I vandalize Shalom with the, those I care for the most. My wife, with my kids. I mean, even doing things that I intentionally do not want to do, being things that I just do not want to be, I, I do, and I am. How does that look? Well, my selfishness, my pride, my greed, my you know ability to assume the worst at times. Um, the vandalism of Shalom. What the, what, this is what the Bible calls sin, by the way. And sin is really actually an easy term to kind of think about. You think about that middle letter I, uh, in, the, in the word sin, it's really whenever we say, you know what, thank you God, but no, I'm in control of my life. I'm gonna do things my way. And what the Bible says is the wages of sin or the results of sin is death. And death, when it talks about death, is, is talking a lot about this idea of separation. So for instance, when I do something hurtful, harmful, whatever, or even to those closest to me, there's a, there's a bit of a death that happens. There's a bit of a separation that takes place. And what the Bible says is the ultimate separation, of course, is actual death. Um, if I were to ask you, what is the great enemy of humankind, how would you answer that? If I were to ask you, how would the Bible answer that, what would you say? You know, the greatest enemy of humankind is the devil, you know, human nature. The greatest enemy of humankind is death. Uh, There was a a philosopher that I was reading recently, different guy from the one I mentioned before, so far as I can tell, not not Christian, but he was just kind of simplifying things. He says, this is a bit of an oversimplification, but he said, all of philosophy is basically about one thing. All of philosophy is basically about death and are trying to grapple with that and make sense and and work with it. Uh, Julian Barnes, an atheist who wrote uh, memoirs on death and mortality, a guy who never went to church, never went to Bible study, never was baptized, he wrote these words, I don't believe in God, but I miss him. Uh, Isn't that an interesting thought? Uh, To me, as a Christian, of course, that seems to suggest that even if we don't believe in God, death can't help but make us feel a lost connection to him. Of a, of a shalom vandalized. You know, as a pastor who has officiated a number of, of, of funerals and memorial services, uh, I have found that funerals have a real way of bringing sobriety into our lives. I think especially of, of our culture, of how it just seems to me so much of what we do when it comes to death is just try to not think about it, just try to just push it away, suppress it. Um But listen to the wisdom of King Solomon writing in the book of Ecclesiastes. He said, it's better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. Death is a destination for for us all. So let the living take heart. What's he saying? He's saying it's death gives us perspective. It can help shape us to live a better life, of course. But the theme here we're talking about as we look at the story with Jesus and Lazarus is that death is terrible. It's an intruder. And this is why Jesus wept but it's also why Jesus cried out. Uh, there's this really fun shift that happens in the narrative that is captured in the English, but all the more in the in the ancient language, in the, in the Greek, and I'll, I'll point that out just ever so briefly as we move through this. There's a shift that happens. So Jesus weeps uncontrollably, and then it says he goes to the tomb, and verse four, uh, 38, it says he's deeply moved. Now that word deeply moved does mean fi- he was filled with compassion. You know, he was just He was just so sad and just man he just wanted to work he wanted to do something but what that word also means in the original language is he was also indignant he was ticked off he was mad he was getting angry actually that word i learned this week is the ancient greek word they used to describe uh, horse's snorting Um, if you've ever seen a horse just real just really gear up for something some big task just snort and just That's what Jesus was doing. What was Jesus doing? He was gearing up for war. Look at verse 43. Our translation says, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. That word called out is just, he was just exerting this great force from within him. Uh, The best way I can think to describe this word is to think about those strongman competitions. Have you ever seen those strongman competitions? They usually show them on TV on like ESPN 6 or something. You gotta search for them, they're over there. And they're always won by dudes called, named Magnus. I don't know why that is. There'll be like 10 competing, but Magnus wins. You know, anyways. Um, so, you know, when Magnus or whoever is getting ready to like lift, you know, this pole that's attached to, I don't know, two refrigerators, and he, you know, what happens? You know, each and every time these massive dudes just just let it all out, don't they? Just, you know, just, you know, insert Arnold Schwarzenegger noise. You know, it's like just let it out. Or think of the... Uh, The Olympic, uh, you know, um, shot putters, these guys who are like six, eight, 300 pounds of of muscle, just, you know, whenever they just are hurling, they just just let it all go. They just exert themselves. They cry out. That's what Jesus was doing here. Why was Jesus crying out like that here? Especially given that his track record with miracles was to go and just say a soft-spoken word, rise up or to just go and touch the person's ears to make them hear, or or, or their eyes to help them see. Why did Jesus exert himself, cry out like this? Well, the reason for this is because it took everything out of Jesus to do it. Because this is a foreshadow, remember? This is foreshadowing the gospel. Uh, Then and there, Jesus cried out for Lazarus, but on the cross he would cry out for all of us. Uh, This is why Jesus came, for Lazarus, yes but also for Mary, for Martha, for you, and for me. Uh, this is the gospel. This is, the, this is what Easter, this is what the Bible is all about. In a word, Jesus. You know, there's this interesting inter- interaction that we'll just look at briefly here between Jesus and Martha. Did you notice this? Jesus is trying to comfort Martha in saying, don't worry, I'm gonna take care of Lazarus. He's, he's gonna rise again. And Martha says in verse Uh, 24. Yeah, Jesus, I get that. I believe. I know he's going to rise again on that day, meaning down the future. Check out what Jesus says to her in this moment. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha was saying, I believe that doctrine, and Jesus said, I am the doctrine. He was taking an abstract thought and bringing it personally home and saying, it is me and I'm here. Do you believe this? That, of course, is the key question. That is the question, if there's anything that current exists to do, it's to ask that question. Do you believe this? Uh, In our mission statement, actually, as a church, we exist to point people towards Jesus. We just want to point people to Jesus. And this key of all questions is the one that Jesus asked: do you believe this? You see, Christianity at the end of the day is ultimately not about doctrine. Wait, what? Did he say? Doctrine is important. But it's first and foremost ultimately about the person and work of Jesus. Uh, here's another way of, of thinking of this. Christianity is not about making bad people good, but rather about making dead alive. Uh, let me ask you a question what did Lazarus bring to his resurrection event? Answer nothing. Actually, he brought a dead body. It was Jesus who brought the life. Uh, this shalom restored, and the promise is not only for here and now, but for all time, a restored relationship with God the Father because of what he d- would do for Lazarus and has done for us on the cross. That We can believe in him. And the key question, again, is do you believe this? Christianity is not about saying your prayers, going to church, being a good person, those things are important, they are good, but ultimately it's about receiving the gift of life that Jesus has made available to you in what he has done for you. Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and he loves you so much, he exerted himself with everything he could, even laying down his life to give you life. Do you believe this? At this time, I'd actually like to focus your attention on the response card that hopefully you got when you came in. I'm losing mine. Uh, Hashtag second service fail. Um, Oh, thank you. Thank you. Wow, you guys are awesome. I love the team, man. Uh, Here's your response card. I've got two. Thank you, guys. Um, response, God. I wonder if you would look at this with me for a moment. You know, here's what I love about what Jesus is doing with Martha here in that moment. I believe that He does with us, with each of us. Is He, Jesus, whether we, we want to or not? That's that's our he, and He respects us on that too. By the way, uh, he, he He's He's always leading towards a response. And maybe maybe you're in a place where this is a day for response in your own life. Um, and so, are you ready for a faith response of any kind? We'd love to give you a gift. By the way, we've got these little. Um, handy-dandy tote bags, which is kind of cool, um, but but mainly there's a there's a book in here called uh, Mere Christianity uh, by C.S. Lewis, which is a book um, that has, been, has meant a lot to me in my, in my faith journey, and uh, there's a lot of good books we could recommend, but I love this book because it does such a good job of speaking not just to the mind or the heart, but to both the heart and the mind, uh, so we'd love to gift that to you in, in, in this nice little bag here, um, current Friends, this is not for you. This is for anybody who would like to make a faith decision as we would love to come alongside you and, and hand you a resource. But if you're ready to make a faith decision, maybe you don't know listen this first one, maybe you're ready to, and this could be a write-in, just say you're curious. Like I would just, I, I want to hear more. Maybe today you've never really thought about things like this. You've never heard Jesus spoken about this. This is called the gospel, the good news. It's worth checking out. I have heard it said that even if you don't believe in the resurrection, you should want it to be true. It's a wonderful promise and it's worth looking into. Uh, so maybe if this is you, just write in the words. I'm curious, we'd love to gift you, gift you a, 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 um, a book there, a resource. Maybe today you're ready. You're ready to make a decision. You know enough, you've heard enough and you, you believe already in your heart. Jesus is the resurrection and the life and you wanna make that uh, a declaration today, you can check that box. Um, for some of you, the second box is probably what's, it, it might be what's most important to you, and that is to come back to your faith. Uh, maybe you moved to the Silicon Valley, and it's not like you stopped believing. Uh, it's just that uh, Jesus, and you know, maybe all the faith, and, and all that's, uh, you know, church, and all that was kind of deprioritized. Um, the scriptures are clear. God wants to welcome you with arms open wide, loves you dearly, and then, or maybe you're f- either this um, this uh, third checkbox, and you you, you're ready to publicly declare your faith through baptism. Uh, last week we celebrated uh, five baptisms, one impromptu. Uh, it was, man, there was a few dry eyes in the room. I was just glad I was in the water because I was just like, hey, I'm not crying. I'm just, I'm just, just this is the baptismal water into my eye. not about you guys. Um, but it was just a powerful moment. And what is baptism? Baptism is, is it's not something that saves us, but it signifies what has happened on the inside. It's an outward expression of an inward spiritual reality. How are we saved? How do we receive shalom, a restored relationship with God the Father, by believing in Jesus, as he just said. But baptism expresses that. It signifies that. And, of course, the picture of going under the water, being cleansed from our sins, and coming up. Um, to new life and new identity him is, is all a part of that. So if, if, if this is you in any way, we'd, we'd love for you to take it back to the table. It's just outside these doors. Hand it to your team. We'd love to get you uh, this bag. Um, but uh, thank you for coming today. Um, the band is gonna come up now. I'm gonna pray for us. Next week, we're starting our hashtag Life Goals series, which should be a lot of fun. We, we hope to, to see you again. Uh, thanks for coming. Let me, let me pray for us. Uh, Father, thank you so much again for Jesus, the resurrection and the life, and that all we have to bring to the table is nothing. Just gratitude and saying thank you. That we believe, even as Martha said it here, how'd she say it? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who came into the world. So, Lord, help us as a church to celebrate this, not just today on Easter, but every time we gather. But would you help us extend this to others, not for the sake of jamming it down people's throats, but just pointing people to Jesus, just offering it with a simple question like, do you believe? Thank you for this time. We, uh, would you go before us in this next season ahead? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.